This is episode 8 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. Thank you for joining us at episode 8 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. I want to take a moment to appreciate and thank all of those who have downloaded and listened to our previous episodes, and those who have left reviews and comments, and especially those that have sent me direct email. This podcast is still young, and your feedback is important to turn it into what it should be to deliver the messages that are important for our culture to hear. The podcast can be accessed on iTunes, Stitcher, or directly from the website at innergameofaging.com. No spaces. Do someone a favor and go out of your way to share the information and messages contained in these podcasts. I've recently had the opportunity of expressing my personal positions on many aspects of aging in a podcast hosted by Ed Lazary, who has since become a friend and an advisor to the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Ed's podcast is called Change Your POV, which you can also find on iTunes, Stitcher, and other directories. He's doing some good stuff out there, so you may want to check out his podcast as well. I will be bringing him on in upcoming episodes to talk about some of the cultural aspects of aging as it relates to younger people. But what you are about to hear for today's episode of The Inner Game of Aging is taken directly from an interview with me on Ed's podcast where I get a chance to express who I am, what I'm about, and what drives me in meeting the challenges of the inner game of aging. You will hear my personal thoughts about the mission of this podcast. He has given me permission to share this content with my listeners, so please enjoy the selected excerpts from his interview with me. Hello, folks, and welcome to Change Your POV Podcast. I am your host, Eddie Lazary, and I'm going to be doing a solo show with our guest, Mr. Lee Mowat. Now, Mr. Lee Mowat is a 66-year-old senior citizen with gray hair, (laughs) retired software engineer, husband and father, and is the oldest person on YouTube to execute a round-off a round off back handspring on the floor. And we're going to include the video to that in the show notes page of this episode. He uses his handstands as an icebreaker when meeting people. He is <laughs> devoted to changing the perspective of the elderly and those who care for them and is the host of his own podcast, The Inner Game of Aging. And of course, let's not forget, Lee is also the unofficial mascot of Change Your POV. 
<laughs> How are you doing, Lee? I'm doing fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Today, I've asked you to come on and share your 66 years of history and knowledge um, around the areas of health and fitness and just wellness in general. And then, of course, let's uh, we're going to be talking about what you do in, in terms of uh, your podcast and your message as well. All right, man, let's get into this. So tell the listener a little bit more about who is Lee and what are you all about? Well, Lee is really much more ordinary than he makes himself out to be. It's about living. It's about being who you are authentically. So um, maybe I should start around about 11 years ago when I had a very, very severe accident. I've always been rather controversial in my thinking. At least others may describe me that way. But since that accident, I've seen so much about me, others. It was just a total eye-opener um, eye just to come that close to death. It's, it doesn't leave you the same way. One of the things I saw, Ed, now, my body was very broken from that accident. It took me four months to recover. And during the course of that time, I watched my body heal, and it was the most amazing thing to me just to watch my body heal. Now, the damage to my body was quite significant, but we have soldiers coming back from Afghanistan and other countries that are in far worse shape than I am. And I tell you, this accident just gave me the greatest respect for those people who are coming back wounded and are trying to regain a sense of life. I, you know, it, it just floored me. But Ed, you have no idea what it's like to watch people run around, save your life, doing this, doing that, and you can do nothing but watch them. It's a very transforming experience. Now, you, you, you talked about injury. What was it? I mean, was it uh, – how did – what happened? What kind of accident was it? It was – I was riding my motorcycle. I'm a very avid motorcyclist. And um, I was coming home from work one day, and I was driving along the road, and I noticed this Buick that was looking odd to me. It turns out it was a new driver, a 17-year-old kid who had – the sun in his eyes, and decided to make the left turn anyway. Well, my leg was caught in between the bike and the Buick. It was pulverized. That wasn't the main damage at the time because I had head injuries, lung injuries, and God knows what else. But it turned out my leg was quite, quite damaged. The doctor wanted to have it severed. It was that bad. My wife came on the scene and insisted that the doctor did not sever the leg. It was against the doctor's medical judgment to not sever the leg. She said, Miss, this man's going to have a problem with this leg for the rest of his life. He will probably never use it in a normal manner again. About six months later, I walked into that doctor's office and started jumping around a bit. <laughs> and uh, um, I wasn't fully recovered in terms of the leg at that point, but he can see that I was well on my way to using the leg. And to this day, I'm very surprised. You can barely see a limp in me. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just learning about the body, learning who to trust in terms of understanding my own body, understanding what I'm capable of, 
and one understanding what you are capable of, what everyone's capable of, and we don't know it. Right. And so since that time, I've been on a passionate tear to find out both my mental and spiritual and physical limits. I have no idea what they are. So let me ask you this. You, you specialize in the area of aging, and that's really what your message is centered around. Um, and that's something that interests me at, at pushing 40 years old. I'm not considered really <laughs> old, right? But, but uh, I, think, I think at that age, right, around four, between your 40s and 50s, I think you start to reflect on your life, where you've come, where you are, and, and, and where you're going, right? Uh, some yes. people call it midlife crisis or whatever. I wouldn't really consider it a crisis, but you know, it, the number of years that you have ahead of you are numbered, and you really start to understand that and and appreciate that. In your experience, do you see people that are aging as um, defeated, or do you see them as encouraged? Do you see? I mean, what is the the, the average, I know this is a difficult question to ask, but the mindset of those that are aging and elderly, because, and, and, and let me, before you answer, I, just mm-hmm. have, I have to preface the question, because oftentimes as a 40-year-old, um, and even before before my age now, um, it's I, you watch commercials, you watch TV, you, it's just kind of ingrained in us, even on social media, that people of... You know the the elder age are um, incompetent, incapable, uh, dinosaurs, a, a drain on society, um, no longer earners in the economy, right? And so, and and it just, uh it, I don't know. What are your what's your take it, on that it's, mentality? It's it's funny because we live in a society in a culture that is extremely youth oriented. Now, when you're focused on one side of the fence, it's hard to notice what's on the other side of the fence. And in fact, it's easy to mislabel what's on the other side of the fence because you're not focused there. We find that we find that the older we get, the more or excuse me, the less we mind our aging bodies. We also find that as we get older, we don't feel as bad as we thought we would. Now, this comes as a surprise to some people. But it becomes reality for others who have been taught that getting older is a weakening. It's a, you know, it's less than, not more than. To me, Ed, I've become so much more than I was at 40. Pardon me, I know you're 40, but, but I would not want to return to that age. I am 66, and I would not want to return to 40. I enjoy myself so much more at 66 than I ever did at 40. And I'm seeing that in a uniform fashion, more or less. Of course, there's a segment of our population around my age that is feeling this, what we'll call a crisis of confidence. We know that we live in a youth-oriented society and that the stereotypes that you just expressed are rampant among, among our culture. And so we can take in these stereotypes and start to use these stereotypes to affect us, ourselves, our thinking, our lives. And we create a lifestyle that brings these stereotypes about. Or we can fight these stereotypes. You can realize that they're just stereotypes, that there's nothing that makes them true except for us. So, so do, you think that, do you think older people 
perpetuate that stereotype? They bring it onto themselves or they just succumb to that stereotype and think, oh, I guess that's the way it is? Or Well, I'm going to answer that, but you asked the question by saying, do you think older people? There are many types of older people, and I'm going to include, talk about two types. Those that do not recognize the stereotypes that they were taught under, and those that do. Now, those of us who do not recognize how we come to learn the framework of culture and conventions that we do, we will be start to assume these stereotypes and make them our reality. But those people who are aware that we have another a kind of level of learning that comes from osmosis and that we can fight that kind of learning, that the truths in our society don't, don't have to be our personal truths. Those of us who understand that can look at these stereotypes, live amongst them, and be more immune to them. So it depends on where you where your mind is. You can't just summarize older people as all of one type, just mm-hmm. as you can't summarize 40-year-olds as all of one type. things that we say, you know, that we kind of use that same type of logic or that same Absolutely. type of mentality, right? Like an and old It's always person. derogatory. It's always derogatory. Right. You know, you're, old, you're older. You, you, of course, you don't remember that. You're a bit older now. These yeah. Days, you, know? right. you, recently, uh, you recently interviewed uh, a 90-plus-year-old uh, gen- right. gentleman, and he was singing, and you said- And a wonderful, strong voice. Yeah. And you, even, and you said, you said, you know, you have a wonderful voice for- a 90-year-old or a 90-plus-year-old, and it really begs the question, and I think you even asked it. I caught myself, What What does a 90-year-old voice supposed to sound like? (laughs) Exactly. When I introduce myself to others and and they find out my age, what typically happens, and I can watch this happen as soon as I find out my age, is I have violated their own impression, not mine, but their own impression of what a 66-year-old is like. Right. And where did they get that impression from? From our cultures around us, from our stereotypes around us. And so when I defy those stereotypes, people come to me and says, you're 66. That can't be Mm. right. Yeah. I'm simply defying a, a stereotype, which is encouraging them to say what they're saying. We understand it. We understand now more closely than we did years ago that getting older is a biological process. I repeat this quite a bit. You may have heard me say this before. Getting older is a biological process. I I am 66 years old. There's no changing that. But getting old, not older, but getting old is a mental and spiritual process. It has nothing to do with getting older. Hmm. And so... Yeah, you know, it's our when our when our mentality and our spirit starts to break down. Now, what causes our spirit to break down? Well, here we get back into the culture again. When we are taught that we will be old, we will be frail, we will be forgetful. No matter how strong we are, these sort of images being playing on our minds since when we're forty years old or younger start to take their effect, and the you know, nothing controls how you will age more than how you believe you will age. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can stay healthy all you want. And I advocate 
a very healthy lifestyle. I'm you know, no slouch there, but it's your thinking that is going to really determine how well you're engaged in life, the social connections you make, and these have tremendous effect on your health and well-being. Mm-hmm. So if you succumb to the culture of you know, what a 66 years old is supposed to be like, you will find yourself conforming to that. You know, you often hear, I've often heard, that uh, people tend to go, quote-unquote, downhill once they retire. Their their health uh, uh, starts, to, yeah. starts to deteriorate. Their uh, sense of purpose starts to deteriorate. They, they, they grow more uh, depressed. Is, so talk to me about, and that may not be your personal experience. I know you're retired. Well, it, but... it, is, it is my personal experience. Oh, okay. And the, and the personal experience of many friends. The I have many friends who have since retired and have not found the structure, the purpose, the connections that they had at work. Work often gives us a structure that supports our lives in more ways than we realize until the time it goes away. And so after retirement, it is essential, Ed, that we devote our lives to something that's higher than just us. You can play golf every day, and I can assure you, you cannot sustain that because it's just you. We find when we get to this this age that it's helping others or doing for others or connecting in some way. You know, when you're depressed, the best way to get yourself out of the depression is to help another person. Mm-hmm. And when you're when everything you do is for a higher purpose than you, you don't have time to be depressed or even to be unhealthy. You have a purpose to solve. And, you know, that purpose is what gets you out of bed. That purpose is what keeps you healthy. That purpose is what tells you inside that you need you to be well, to be to move on and to continue fulfilling that purpose. So when we retire... We have to find what we are going to devote our lives to if it's not going to be the job. Mm. Especially men, they, you know, I'm a workaholic and I've devoted my entire life to software and working for the companies I've worked for. And when that all goes away, you can feel empty. And, you know, I was starting to feel that at around the time of 52, thereabouts. But by the time I had my accident, I knew that I had to seek something that was higher than myself. And when that accident happened, it was like a light bulb went off. I had to connect myself to others in order to stay well, in order to heal, in order to be the person that I've always been, plus more. Mm. So, as as you begin to age, or as you are aging, what are what are some things that you find the most difficult? Is it uh, is it keeping up with exercise? Is it keeping up with the proper diet? Is it, you know, what are some of the challenges as you grow older that you that you face? Well, that's a this is one man's answer, but I think the most difficult challenge for me between forty and let's say sixty six is trying to understand that I'm no longer forty, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, like I may still 
look the part of a younger man, but my ears are 66. I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I can feel like I'm 66. Mm. Um, you know, like I remember a time when I, when my joints were more free flowing, but I don't regret any of that. I don't, it's not a loss. I don't feel a, an erosion of my body. I still have a, a decent muscular that they, they call me the grandfather of strength at my local gyms, you know, like, and I love showing off my physical strength. And you, as you know, I do handstands all over the place, primarily just to entertain people. <laughs> but, you know, like for me, I have also, also a sense of time. I have to grab time and rush to make a mark. Now, this is really a wrong way for me to think because I've been practicing my entire life to be 66. There is no rush. I am here I am here. I didn't really realize this when I when I was younger, but at 66, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Mm. I'm right where I'm supposed to be at 66. And, you know, I've practiced for 66 years to be here without me ever knowing that I've been practicing. Mm. And to find the contentment and satisfaction inside myself and around me, you know, Older people are much happier than they give themselves the impression to be. You can see an older person limp along with a walker or struggle with a disability that comes from an age-related situation. And you sort of project into him that he feels bad about this. Believe me, I have a bad leg from that accident. I don't feel bad about that at all. Mm. Not at all. The infirmities that other people will see in the elderly are not the infirmities that the elderly see in themselves. Mm. I forget where I saw it, but I saw a very inspiring video of a man in a wheelchair building a barbecue grill from with brick and mortar, lifting sandbags, all from a wheelchair. Do you think this man really is compromised in life? He is building a He's doing something I can't do from a wheelchair. And so let me ask you, so you get a lot of places that are, you know, like senior citizen communities where you got to be above, you know, 50 or 60 or whatever to even live in these communities um, yes. And you and there are all I mean, depends on where you go. The population of those types of communities may grow. You go down the you go down to Florida and they have entire <laughs> places called the villages. Right. Where it's pretty That's much right. all that. So is so let me ask you, why do places like that, in your opinion, exist? Is it because older people just want to associate with people their own age and they're just done with the younger demographic? Or uh, is it because they they can't relate? Uh, the older generation from the younger generation and it's just easier to like explain to me why that phenomenon happens well it's not a phenomenon that i really agree with but we you know there's a lot of stuff going on in our society and we can often have mistaken ideas about where what we don't want to see in our society is coming from and it's very easy to blame that which you are not um, and so, um, so I find a lot of older people don't want to be messing with kids. 
a lot of older people feel more comfortable in being around other older people. I myself don't quite feel that way because I feel there's real value in hanging around people of all ages. In fact, one of the steps that I put in my book for Inner Game of Aging is to make sure that you have friends 15 to 20 years younger than you and 15 to 20 years older than you. To have a strong set of friends in that age group is is vital to keep you connected, to keep your mind sharp, to keep you exposed to new things. And, you know, so I'm I'm not sure if I how I feel about living in a you know, 55 and over community or retirement community. They're now even starting to do an experiment, Ed. Now, this is interesting. They're giving college students free room and board if they will live in the nursing home. Oh, wow. In a, or, or in an assisted living facility. So they don't have to pay room and board or rent or anything as long as they will attend college living in the assisted living place. Now, th- what this does is bring the old and young together, which is it's a tremendous connection device. Mm. And yeah, you know, to keep people engaged in what all of life is, not to just focus on you know, your little you know sphere. And so I can appreciate things like that. I heard about that experiment and was very intrigued. You know, college kids hanging around assisted living, but you have the things that go on in that environment. I was reading about it, and it was very interesting. You have older people relying on the younger people, older people talking to the younger people, and vice versa. We have so much wisdom in our older people that these younger people are now getting the benefit of that wisdom. Yeah, so you, bring, so you bring up a good point, and, and I just want your take on this. Um, the The older generation brings with it a lifetime of experience in history and knowledge. Um, and, and and often it seems that the younger demographic just doesn't take advantage of that experience. I mean, absolutely. This, this, absolutely. I, I understand this world is a fast moving, a fast paced environment, highly, you know, uh, technological. And, and, and a lot of people, of the older demographic may not, be as astute in technology as the younger, but it's it, life is more than technology. Once you turn off the computers and the phones and and all of those things that that blink and flash and ring, uh, you're really left with at the end of the day your life and life experiences. And and I absolutely and I think that's something that's lost in this country because. And I would have never known it um, if I hadn't visited other countries, like I did a, a year in Korea where. Uh, the the older folks were considered elders, and elder means more than just your age. They're they're people that are the 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 monarchs of the family, and mm. and they mm. they sit atop basically. Uh, not not I'm not 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 mafia style in in any way, but but they're people that are uh, regard uh, that are put into a position of high regard, and they're and the the younger generations of that family go and seek advice and opinion and the in the advice and opinions of these monarchs are highly regarded and, and course, taken into consideration course. and the same thing i found in in iraq when i was there for a year um elders um held a 
very high position within the family. Um, and it was very, very few times anyone would make any big decisions within their family without consulting their elders. And so where did that go? I don't really see that a whole lot in, well, the, in this country. It's funny because you mentioned technology. Now, the elders of any culture are the repository of its traditions, the repository of the patterns of life that surround that culture. The older brain is more capable of discerning the patterns of life. You know, if we want to look into the sky and predict the weather three days from now, like they did in American Indian times, it's the older brain that recognizes those patterns much more so than the younger brain. It's the older brain that has you know, solved many more pro- problems. There's a wealth of information and experience that comes from the older mind. Now, you mentioned technology, which is changing our culture and our society. Yes, this is true. But you as a person is not much different than you as a person 200 years ago, right? We are still driven by the same thing. So there's a part of us that is not being affected by technology that can more easily be seen by those of us who are older. And, of course, technology changing things. We have to come up to speed. Things are changing very fast. You can hear this discrepancy because things are changing very fast because of technology. And the elders are the repository of the traditions, the problem-solving techniques that have been timeless. All the timeless values in our culture are held on by the older people. In other cultures, it's a challenge to arrive at this spot. I want to get to this spot where I am a revered elder. In this culture, it is not a revered spot. We have lost the national treasure that is the wisdom of our elders. There's such a treasure there that this culture does not take advantage of. Let's talk about health and in terms of uh, exercise and diet. Hmm. And and everybody Uh talks about exercise and diet and, and everything. And, but what's funny is anytime you watch a commercial that talk that that's advertising exercise and diet, it always it's always a twenty something with a six pack, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you don't usually see somebody that's sixty six years old or seventy years old on these commercials advertising. Uh, that's right. You know, uh, fitness, exercise, and diet. But but we all know um, if it's if it's important as a 20 year old to to eat well and to get exercise and it's got to be equally important to those that are absolutely aging. so what's been your experience or how how important or how correlated is health and fitness and diet to aging gracefully you know we ha- we have to take care of our bodies of course you know that's what god has given us to live that's what we record life through the my my philosophy is to keep moving no matter you know when you hurt a joint when you no matter what you do just keep moving if you you know walk every day you know you've got to i tend to do more than most because i'm a maniac i don't i have no idea <laughs> um but when i get hurt and i do get hurt occasionally i cannot rest that joint i don't want to stress it but i 
Just have to keep it moving. Always keep moving, Ed. Always, always, always. You know, you're act like a kid. You know, you're 40 years old. Is that a grown man? No, it's never. You're never going to grow into a grown man. Just get rid of that impression and you know, play, play in your work, play in your, you know, in your play. So as far as exercise goes, there's there's a concept that is an extremely important to me in understanding my exercise and the exercise of others. Let me speak about this a little bit more carefully because it drives just about everything I can do. It is a concept that I call better. No matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, if you want to, you can do that thing better. The human is a very strange animal. Just like most animals on this earth, the more he does anything, the more he can do that thing. The more he jumps, the more he can jump. The more he reads, the more he can read. The more he loves, the more he can love. And this is without exception. The more you do that which you cannot do, the better you can do that which you cannot do until you cannot say you can't do it anymore. I know the grammar for that is mixed up, but the concept is is sound. And so I believe that in doing anything, if I walked a block today, because that's all I can walk, then tomorrow I can walk a block and one step more, and I have achieved my purpose. Mm. If I walked a block and one step more that day, then the next day or possibly even the next week, I can go better than that. Now, using that concept, there is no telling how far we can go. None of us know our limits. None of us know our limits. I am still finding out how strong I can be, how physically strong I can be. And so if you're lifting weights, you know, if you lifted 100 pounds today, what's stopping you from lifting 101 pounds tomorrow? You can always do better. If you play the piano so well today, just a week's more practice has you better. You may, It's like a star, Ed. You can never reach a star, but it always gives you the direction to strive, strive mm. for. And so using such a concept, if, I, if one week I ate clean, well, I can always eat cleaner. I cheat on my diet quite a bit. I can cheat less next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, uh, I'm sure you've cheated on your diet. You can cheat less. No matter what you're doing, the only thing that stops you from getting better at anything that you want is your own desire. Hmm. There's, there's, as long as you have a desire to be better, you can get better at anything. There are those people who believe that we are what we are. I don't quite agree. I believe that we can make ourselves and create ourselves over and over again. I am mm-hmm. now doing, getting into podcasting and having a hell of a time. I am refining my process, my podcast process, better and better each time. As long as that's what I want, then that better is available to me. What are my limits? I have no idea. But all I have to do is go better and better each day or as whatever interval I'm using, and I will, will I ever hit my limits then? I have no idea. Mm. You 
your podcast in the inner game of aging, which is a, a relatively new podcast. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Um, where did that concept of that idea come from? Where did that inspiration? Where was that born out of? Well, um, I have you know, being my age, of course, I have many older friends, and I saw a lot of them in pain. As they got older and older, they started to doubt themselves more in the technological environment they're in. Remember, I'm a software engineer. And that's a, you know, that's a many young people hanging around that career. And as my friends got older and older, they started to doubt themselves, their own capability, their own sense more and more. And I was figuring, trying to figure out why this is happening. You know, maybe I'm losing it, I would hear. You know, maybe it's time for me to retire. I can't keep up with these young kids, et cetera. I'm just trying to figure out where this is coming from. And then I, I retired myself and felt this loss of structure. And I realized that aging is what we tell ourselves. There's this, the spiritual mental side of aging is what we tell ourselves. There's an inner game here. The way we think really affects the way we live. It, there's a direct connection between thinking and living. And when I looked around, I said, we can all do better. We can all feel better about aging. Even me, I feel pretty good about aging. And so the inner game of aging is about understanding the issues that affect us as older people, to understand how to navigate these issues, the issues that are in the culture, the issues that are inside our own heart, the things we struggle with inside and outside, and to talk about them. Like aging is not all about the empowerment that I speak of. There's some harsh realities to aging as well. You know, it's not the wrinkles that we see that really bother us, but it's the mortality that you mentioned. How much have we accomplished with our lives? What sort of legacy have we left behind? Um, and how fit are we to do these things that represent our last and final chapters? So the inner game of aging sort of talks about how we can make our last mark, how we can see our environment, how we can navigate through our, our culture to correct the mistakes that we made as a generation when I say mistakes that we made as a generation, when we were children, teens, young adults, we turned what was a we into a me. That's what the baby boomers did. And all of society took that on. We became so me focused. But the baby boomers have now seen the errors of their ways and are turning that me back into a we. And I see this all around me. There's just so many things that help us stay young. I want to highlight them all. It's not all about getting old and dying. It's about leaving a mark. It's about enjoying your life. It's about having others enjoy you and to help the world that you're leaving behind. Mm, that's nice. Sixty-six years of experience. How today would you define success? Because I'm sure success to you when you were twenty is different than when you were forty, and is probably different Absolutely. now than yours. So, as sixty-six years young, what now is your definition of success? 
that's a very interesting question as well. And, you know, like, because I have seen my thoughts change over the years. What I used to think about family and love and money at 20 was different than what it was at 40 and is different now at 66. You know, for me, success at 66 has much less to do with my material side, more to do with my spiritual side, my connections, my fitness, how healthy I am, how how much I can influence the world, how many people I can touch. That's really what it's about. How many people I can touch, how many people I can make just have a positive effect on their lives. That would be success and how I can how much I can enjoy having that effect on them. Mm. And so, you know, like it's not a question. Of course, I don't mind money. I never do. But, but my heart seems so much more important to me now. My intentions, my care and love for the world, my friends, my family. These are the true legacies that I leave behind. However little or much money I leave behind, that's immaterial. Mm. You know? you know, there's so many experiences around this world. I want to have all these experiences. I can't do that if I don't exercise, if I don't eat right, if I'm focused on you know, working and not developing my relationships. This sort of experience I've had because of the new experience, new relationships I've developed over the past two years has been tremendous. Now, how can I, how can I turn away from this? Yeah. So these, so these experiences that you talk about that you want to have, is it a, a result of your aging? You know, the old uh, you've seen that movie not that long ago that came out, the bucket list, right? It's uh, just yeah. it's these series of things that we've always wanted to do, and, and we better get them done now while we can because we're at that age where we don't know how many more years we got on this planet. Uh, is that the kind of experiences? Is, is, is that the message to say, hey, if you're, if you're of this age or you're aging, you, know, you get out there and do everything you can because you're running out of time? Uh, that, well, that, that depends. It depends because... See, it depends on the mindset you have. Yeah. This bucket this bucket list that you refer to is interesting. We can have a bucket list, say, that we have to ski the Alps, we have to visit, you know, France, we have to, you know, bungee jump or these sort of items that I just listed are all what we have to do for ourselves as individuals. But a bucket list could be to talk to you know, a thousand people at a time to deliver a message. A bucket list could be to empower a certain demographic or to donate a certain amount or to build a school. So there's several sort of bucket lists that, you know, that could be generated at this point in time. It all depends on who it's focused around. When you focus your bucket list around others, there's an additional dimension that's brought into this. An example of mine is a friend who loves traveling. She just loves traveling. She's never home. She's traveling. And now she's reached an age where she wants to use her traveling to help others. So we use our passions. My passion is strength. My passion is fitness. And I want to use that passion to help others. I don't want to get rid of that passion. Before I retired, I said, I wish... I could retire and go to the gym every day. That would be great. <laughs> so now I'm retired. I don't have time to go to the gym every day because I'm using my fitness to help others. Mm. And yeah, you know, and so we put ourselves to different uses as we get older. 
you know, it's not just about me playing golf and enjoying another day on the motorcycle or on the golf course, et cetera, et cetera. But how can I use my passion to help others? Mm. So I'm an avid motorcyclist, I said, for example. And I will often go around the country doing handstands, taking pictures of handstands, like at the edge of the Grand Canyon, and using those pictures to inspire others and incorporating what I like for me as a person in a way that helps others understand who they are more clearly. Our lifespan these days, you know, when we were in our father's time and grandfather's time, 65 was near the end of your life. Now, 90 is near the end of your life. We have another 30 years to do another career. I'm going to embark on another career. I'm not going to ever retire from it. You know, this is what 66 years means to me, the freedom to do and to work in the way that I've wanted to work mm. and to work on the things that I wanted to work and to help the people that I wanted to see. It's never too late. You know, you're 70 years old and you want to get in shape. That's not too difficult. I've watched my body recover from devastation. We can, we can heal. We can get better. We, we can live the way we're supposed to and move toward the body, the mind, the passion that creates life. Yeah, I think it's an important message for everyone listening that the ceilings that the ceilings of our potentials that we've set for ourselves are imposed by us and us alone, right? Absolutely. Couldn't and, agree more. Absolutely. You know, it's about finding a common ground. It's about inspiring others to do and to be more than they thought they could could do Absolutely. or be. Uh, and it and doesn't. You could be at twenty. You could be at forty. You could be at sixty. Or you could be at eighty. Right. It doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. Right. People start getting in shape at seventy years old. And by 76, they're in the best shape of their lives yep. that they've ever been. Right. You know, um, so we don't know where our limits are, Ed. You know, where's the limits of my podcast? I have no idea. All I know is it can get better. Where's the limits of my strength, my fitness? All I know is it can get better. Yeah. You know, we all have our challenges. I have my foot, you know, um, you know, health problems that have to be seen, you know, but it can all get better. All I'm looking for is better. Mm -hmm. And as long as I take better step by step, I never know when I can't take that next step. I just keep on going. That's right. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about you tonight and I appreciate your time. So there you have it, folks. I hope I didn't blow my own horn too much, but I thought it would be helpful for my listeners to know just a little bit more about me. If you don't mind me showing off, you can head over to the show notes page where I have a few pictures and videos that I happen to be proud of. But the inner game of aging is not about Lee Moat. It is about inspiring all of us to find our better selves, however we may define that, as we move along into the last chapters of our lives. To finish off this episode nicely, head over to the show notes page, explore the content there, and tell us your reactions 
or your suggestions for improvement. I am always appreciative of respectful comments and suggestions. And you can access the show notes page for this episode at innergameofagingnospaces.com forward slash IGA8. There is so much more up ahead, so hit subscribe on your podcast player so you never miss an episode. And leave us an honest review in iTunes. These reviews will help others discover the podcast and its messages. You can also email me directly using lee at innergameofaging.com. At least while this podcast is still young, I will read each and every email sent. So, until next time... Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lee Mo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofagingnospaces.com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.